Cougar Sports Saturday. It's complete. Another touchdown! Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again! BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome on in to hour number three, Cougar Sports Saturday. Every single Saturday, noon to three. Here on the Legacy Home of the Cougars, we're breaking down BYU sports, football, basketball, everything in between, recruiting. This is the spot to be every single Saturday, Cougar Sports Saturday. And also on podcast, too, if you're listening that way, we appreciate you as well. This BYU basketball team, Matt, is special, 8-0 on the year. They are flying high, number 14 team in the nation, number one in the net. They're heading into Utah, a matchup with Utah tonight in the Huntsman Center, and the leading scorer of the Cougars is Jackson Robinson, and what a leap he has made in his career and remember when he was in his kind of first practices at BYU Mark Pope said he really wanted Jackson this to, to connect with teammates kind of with Jackson Robinson discussing how he's come so far with connecting with this group I mean I'd say it's amazing it starts off the court I would say um just the little things as far as hanging out um when we're not in the gym things like that um, I think it definitely helps. Uh, I think obviously everybody sees the chemistry on the court, um, and it's super important for us. Um, it's a we thing, not a me thing, and it's been the the standard since day one. What was the breakthrough moment you think that brought you close to your teammates, and maybe just this whole team together that, that just feels so close right now? Um, I would probably say this summer. Um, it all started in Italy, even before then, uh, just leading up to that whole trip. Uh, I think it was, a, it was a great getaway for the entire team. Um, it was just us, so we all connected with each other very, very well. We all took the time to get to know one another um, throughout the course of the trip, and I think it carried over coming back home, and I think it's just been a snowball effect ever since. You individually and this BYU team as a whole are thriving right now, 8-0 record. Not only you guys are winning, you guys are kind of thumping teams. Is that a goal of this group to never let up? And when you got the opportunity to maybe put the hammer down, that you got to seize that opportunity and, and pull away? Uh, yeah, I would say so. It's just a competitor in, in the team as uh, a whole. Um, I, th- I mean, that's the entire goal is to win, uh, win big. Um, and, I mean, I think it's showing also just the fact that we don't let up and we keep going, um, I think it's a huge plus for us just knowing that no matter who we're playing, where we're playing, what time we're playing, we're always going to show up. We're going to do what we need to do, uh, take care of business. Talk with Jackson Robinson here on KSL News Radio. Your effective field goal percentage right now, I believe it's around 60%. Last year was at 50 What caused the, the jump for you and maybe just the uh, the high level of shooting you've shown this thus far this season? Uh, just consistent work. To stay in the gym, doing what I need to do, taking care of business, uh, handling everything like I can as a pro, making sure that I'm getting my shots up, keeping my body right, uh, watching film with the coaches. Um, and like I said, just staying consistent. That's the biggest thing. Um, and also just confidence, making sure that every time every time I shoot it that I'm, I'm confident that I'm going to make it. 
What makes this offense so potent in your opinion, Jackson? Uh, going back to what you said about the unselfishness, um, knowing that everybody um, knows that the ball is going to come back to them at some point um, and making that extra pass to the, the next teammate, knowing that you might have a good shot, but the next teammate might have a greater shot. Um, that's what separates us from a lot of teams, I believe. Um, just the, the we mentality. You know, I was watching the, the Jazz Mavericks game earlier this week, and I was watching Tim Hardaway come off the bench and fill it up, and I'm like, he's six, seven. He's kind of like a Jackson Robinson. Are you enjoying this role of coming off the bench and being this guy that just kind of has the green light, kind of like a Tim Hardaway Jr. or even James Harden back in the day when he was with the Thunder, just the guy that comes in and provides an instant spark on both ends of the floor? Um, I mean – I'm getting to play basketball at a high level. I think that's the biggest thing for me. Uh, it doesn't matter if I come off the bench, I start. I don't play any minutes. Just knowing that I'm in a position where um, I get to be on a floor with high-level basketball players and uh, I get to showcase my abilities and talents is, is the biggest thing for me. Um, I know at one point I didn't even know if I was going to be here um, when I was a younger kid. So just living out my dreams, happy to be here. You know, I kind of wonder to myself, one, one question maybe I, I don't, I still have about this team is if a game's on the line, who's that go-to guy in a clutch? And look, I'm sure you guys don't want to deal with that anytime soon. Keep it rolling as is. But if it does arrive, are you that guy that that's going to take that big shot in a key moment? Um, I think there's multiple guys that can take that big shot in key moments. Uh, we've seen Down Hall take it. Spencer Johnson can take it. Um, and of course, I'm going to have the confidence to step up and shoot also, but uh, like I said, everybody on the team has that confidence, and everybody has the confidence in them for them to shoot it. Um, so, I mean, I don't think it matters who it, who it is. Everybody's going to step up. Jackson Robinson with us for a few more moments here on KSL. The, the defensive end shouldn't be forgotten either. Uh, something I feel like, you know, just maybe my opinion, uh, and you correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like you've really improved maybe the defensive footwork and just feels like this team as a whole, defensively, you guys are a completely different group. I, I thought you were guys were kind of, underrated last year people didn't acknowledge how much success you guys were having in some games would you agree with that and maybe what does it take to uh you know have a high level defense as you guys have shown thus far um i would say it's just like any type of offense putting up shots things like that it's just repetition um and focus um coach cahill makes a big emphasis for us to come in every day no matter if we're practicing for 40 minutes or we're practicing for two hours just to make sure that we're locked in dialed in making sure we're following the game plan as far as what team we're playing, um, knowing the personnel, things like that. Um, I mean, he makes it really easy for us as far as making sure we have all the information we need for whatever team it is that we're playing. Um, I think us as players do a really good job of taking that feedback, that information, and applying it during the games. And um, even when things don't work out, I know Coach has told the media this a lot, but um, when things aren't going our way, we're really good at communicating and fixing things on the fly. And I think that's like a key component to making sure that you do have a good defense because if you can't communicate um, at a high level, then I think that's what separates the good from the great. You noted earlier, Jack, uh, about how you probably you know didn't really envision being at BYU in your career. Kind of reminded me a little bit of Alex Barcel. He he often said that he you know never in his wildest dreams envisioned being a guy at BYU. How are you enjoying being a a BYU athlete on a successful team? What's the experience been like? And your favorite parts about being at BYU? Uh, I mean, honestly, it's a dream come true. Like I said, 
doesn't matter what school I'm at, honestly. Uh, I'm playing basketball at a high level, um, achieving my dreams, doing what I've always wanted to do as a little kid. Um, and I know I'm making my parents proud, and that's that's really the biggest thing for, for me is just making sure that um, I'm making those who love me and I love them just proud and uh, working hard consistently every day. BYU versus Utah, you experienced it last year for the first time in the Marriott Center. Played a big role. I think he had you know 10 points, three assists, six boards. How did the intensity of that game compare to other games you've played in in your BYU career? Um, for me personally, I you know I didn't go up in Utah, so uh, the rivalry wasn't really too big of a deal for me personally. I know it was a big deal for the school, so um, you know obviously it was a lot of tension going into that game for everybody. Um, but it's no pressure for me. Um, every game's the same. Got to make sure you show up and play. So just going to the game with the same confidence, same mentality as every other game is just the biggest thing for me, staying focused. Does Coach Pope, though, kind of lay out the almost – because he's kind of a historian in, in some aspects. He, he hasn't been around BYU forever, but does he kind of sometimes play up that angle of like, hey, this this game, even though you guys weren't part of it and growing up, this game means a lot to a lot of people around here. Does he kind of play that up sometimes to you guys? Um, I think Coach Pope has done a really good job of doing the exact opposite, mm. actually. I think he's he's made sure that we're all knowing that this game is really important to a lot of people and even to some of the players, um, but just making sure that we stay focused on what we do great and what makes us great, what got us to the 8-0 start, um, ranked number 14 in the country. Um, not falling away from that um, and not shying away from the competition. Uh I feel like it's easy to get caught up in the rivalry, the hype, um, everything that's being said on social media, but Pope has done a really good job just making sure that we stay locked in and just cancel out the outside noise. Well, best of luck, Jax. Stay healthy and uh, appreciate the time as always and uh, continue this great success. It's been a lot of fun thus far and looking forward to many more exciting games for you and this BYU team. Appreciate it. That's Jackson Robinson here on KSL News Radio. We'll take the break here. On the other side, we'll keep talking hoops as we're less than three hours away between tip-off, the running Utes, and the Cougs. Three hours to go. You'll hear it right here on KSL News Radio. Who sings this? Brian Adams. Come on, Dave. All we ask is for a little Justin Bieber yeah. Christmas. That's all we're. Yeah. That's all we need. Just a little fa la la with boys. La 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 la. Santa. Oh, I won't be doing a show on Christmas if Santa brings me Justin Bieber on Christmas. Justin Bieber Christmas will be playing at my house on Christmas. I will say that though. You know what I was thinking when this building is the home of Christmas music. FM 100, our, our sibling station here. At you know Auto. what? Quickly, though, growing up, I primarily listened to love songs after dark, not Christmas Whoa, music. Here really? On, yeah. FM. You, you never listened to the 100 hours of Christmas? No. Whoa. Okay. I think I listened to about 80 hours of those 100 hours. Did you really? I'm, I'm, <laughs> that doesn't sound like you. <laughs> One thing I will say, though, and I'm bringing that up with FM 100. I was listening to the Christmas music over there uh, earlier this week. Underrated Christmas song, Gloria Estefan, 
I want to see Christmas Three Rise. I don't think it's, I've heard that. I need to it's listen a, to that. like I was trying to just speak speak like to speak it in a sentence. I wasn't actually go tapping into Gloria's voice. I want to see Christmas through <laughs> your eyes. <laughs> Oh boy! I sing it all the time, Dave. Uh, but yes, I, you know what? One song that I learned too that uh, my wife and my mother-in-law just hate on Christmas. I'm curious to hear Mariah your... Carey. No, no, no. Uh, Christmas shoes. I actually love. I Christmas love that song shoes too. With that's one of my top three Christmas songs of all time. Another good song. Big T. Thurl Bailey. Grown up Christmas list with the Amy Grant special. That's some good jams. Dolly Parton. Look, Dave over here thinks I have anti Christmas music. He's wrong. Hey, I was listening to a Christmas I'm, song. I got a deep Rolodex, man. I was listening to a Christmas song this morning that I just decided was insanely overrated and horribly written, and I might get killed for this opinion. That Paul McCartney Christmas song. Gosh, I hate that song. Horrible. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm trying to remember the lyrics here. Dave, help me out. What were the lyrics to this? Simply having a wonderful... I, I hated every second. Okay, yeah. I hated that song. Brutal. I, I do love the the kind of like pop Christmas songs. I also like Faith Hill's The Grinch. Oh, yeah. That's, Faith, that's, where that's, are you, that's a, That's a great one. Ariana Grande, I like that. Yeah, but, um, but like, Justin NSYNC. Bieber, that Christmas yeah. album was... It's Justin just, Bieber's one is... It's is top notch. The go to. That's that's gold standard. <laughs> Board up Dave is just disgusting. You're missing out as a Christmas song fan, Board Up Dave. Not even you could deny the catchiness of that it's Justin good Bieber stuff, Christmas man. album. It's good. All right. You know what's been good too is seeing BYU basketball get off to an eight no start. Did you know, Matt? It's only the sixth time in BYU basketball history that the Cougars have started at least eight and zero. You want to hear the the rest? Yeah, of Yeah, I, I honestly did not know that. So, what are the other teams? If you had to guess, the last one, the, the, the well, the tw- the Jim or senior season team did not start eight and zero, right? They started ten and zero. They oh. they are the last one, and then they lost to UCLA. UCLA. It was okay. the same day that UCLA loss was the same day Jay Keefe's and crew tore up UTEP in the New Mexico Bowl. Okay. How did we work in New Mexico so many times this show? Uh, Two thousand nine was also another. 8-0 uh, start. They started 10-0 in 2009. They had Jimmer and Emery as sophomores, Lee Kumard, Jonathan Tavernari. Shout out to JT. I know he's loving this 8-0 start. Like he's he's that tweeting team, about though, Utah. Did they go to the tournament? They did. They lost to Texas A&M. Oh, yeah. It was the second consecutive year they played A&M in the tournament. It's like, oh, thanks, selection committee. You give the team that you knew BYU would get stomped by, Texas A&M. Thanks. Uh, before that... We were talking about him in the commercial break. Jeff Chapman's 1988 BYU team, they started 17-0. and Remember, the 17th win was against Utah, and then they went to UAB in February, and they lost to UAB. That team was loaded, though. Michael Smith, Jeff Chapman, Marty Haas, Andy Toulson. That was a really good BYU team. They got to as high as number three in the AP Top 25. Great team. A lot of talent on that team. And then uh, at, there was a long gap between that and uh, another group. Right? I had to do some digging on the – because those are the only three that I could remember of the great starts. I don't even remember 2009's yeah. team starting that well. BYU's had a lot of 6-0 and starts, but 
the threshold that this group currently, 2024 team, is going to is is just rare. Uh, before 1988, you got to go back to 1942. They started 13 and 0 that year, and then the first team to ever do it, and only the fifth, uh, six, excuse me, 1911, <laughs> 8 0, and the full season was only eight games. So 1911. I tried to get more some data on that 1911 team. Like, I wanted to get the per 36. Oh, I wanted geez. to get the advanced, the effective field goal percentage for that team. I was curious, but uh, they didn't have those metrics back in 1911. They were holding it down, though, in the Smith Fieldhouse, man. That 1911 squad, I'd put them up against anyone. That resume was that legit. That 1911 squad would get run out of the gym by Taylorsville High School. I did look at the roster, though. It was amazing to see, like, just the the size of athletes, you just it's a remarkable how things have changed in like a hundred years. Like, you know, athletes were like one hundred ten pounds at the guard line. And now even twenty years ago it's changed a lot. You think about Dallin Hall last year, he comes back from a mission and like he's a you know, tip top athlete, high level guy. He's like, you, you gotta add some muscle, you gotta add some weight. It's like it just the game has changed. Dallin Hall looks great this year. I think he's he's playing some and the thing is, I don't think he's playing his best ball yet. I'm excited to see him tonight, though. Huntsman Center, that's where Donovan Mitchell called him a hooper. Yeah. When he's, he's had at Fremont some success high. there in his high school days. This game, it's always a fun game, but you got to imagine there's just a little extra juice for BYU because it's a road game. They, they have the, This is their first true road game, isn't it? It is, and I would also add, too, though, I think the pressure's on Utah because history shows us if Utah loses to BYU in the Huntsman Center, you're not going to be a good team. The last time BYU went into the Huntsman Center and beat a Utah team that went on to play in the NCAA tournament, 1994. Dang. All, all the teams that BYU's beat in the Huntsman Center, they don't not go on great. anything. They don't. They're not good. They're all sub 500 teams except for the 2008 squad. It's only been once since Danny Ainge played at BYU that BYU's went into the Huntsman Center and beat. An NCAA tournament Utah team. That was 1994. Dang. All the other teams are losing record Utah teams. So, and I think, and I bring that up because I think Utah's actually decent this year. I think, I think they could be in the top four of the Pac 12. So, if, for Utah, I think the pressure's on them. Like, the history has shown you lose this game to BYU at home, you're not going to be anything. So, it, high stakes for both teams, though, because if BYU wins this, you're going to probably go undefeated in non conference play. We'll break down this game more with key stats, players to watch, and a bold prediction next. Here on Cougar Sports Saturday. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. It's complete. Another touchdown! Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again! BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 11:60 AM. It's not every day, Mitch, that you see a uh, a piece of text on television that stuns you, but that just yeah. happened to us. The LA Dodgers. Look, I know we're a BYU show, but the LA Dodgers just signed a player, a good player, Shohei Otane. He was previously with the Angels, and I think he was a great offensive hitter and a good pitcher. Yes. So it was pretty unique what he did. He's a unicorn. Unicorn. 
He just signed a 10-year deal. If you're in your car, just grab onto your steering wheel tight when I tell you how much money that he's going to get paid with the Dodgers. It's three times the number that Aaron or uh, that Alex Rodriguez signed for with Texas back in the day. 10-year deal, $700 million. What? That's insane. Seventy and, million a year. An athlete. He's in, nearly making half a million per game played. That's insane, man. Getting to seven hundred million dollars. Like, are we going to see a point where pro athletes there will be like we got to be within a decade now of an athlete getting a billion dollar deal? I don't right? think so. No? I think I think we're reaching the peak. I think. I just don't see TV rights continuing mm-hmm. to increase. In fact, I think it's going to decrease. So I, I think we're we're living in the golden age of athlete salaries. I don't think it'll go much higher than this. Baseball's unique. How you got one sixty two, and you know he's going to play what every four or five days. He'll play every day because he'll hit every day. That's true too. I mean, so baseball salaries have always just blown me away. I, it makes no. How do you make your money back on that? I, I mean, I know baseball's still got great local appeal, and I know that we're fighting for a baseball franchise here in Salt Lake, and I want that to happen. I think, I honestly, I think it would kind of ignite my fandom into the sport. Growing up as a kid, I liked watching the Dodgers, uh, and I loved like the home run chases, chicks dig the long ball stuff. I loved all that as a kid. Uh, maybe I was just, I love the steroid era is basically what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> roid them up. Like, I want roids. Uh, but, like, I've kind of fallen, like, I, I could not tell you any all-stars really in baseball. And, like, I, I know a few, like Otani and Trout. And, but I, I can't get into the, the deep weeds of inside baseball type stuff. And those sort of salaries have just always blown me away in baseball because I just go, really? Are you going to get your money back? Like, what's the ROI on that? But, He's the best there ever was, and he's an all-timer. But, yeah, $700 million. You don't think we'll ever see a, a higher salary than that? You think that's the peak? I kind of think it's the peak hmm. because he wouldn't get that money if he was just one or the other. What about basketball? What about a guy like LeBron? Well, last last deal. Yeah, I guess. NBA rights are not going to keep going up. Yeah. I just – it's loud and clear. I, I've said this before in the show, and I'll say it again. Streaming has been a negative – for most companies. Netflix aside, streaming has not helped Disney. Their stock is in the tank. I would yes. know as an owner, I'm very frustrated with the Disney stock. ESPN, they couldn't even spin that off. No one wanted to buy it. So I just don't know how. It just keeps going up. But It's pretty crazy. That That is some – we are not known – for our baseball takes here no, on Cougar Sports Saturday. That was crazy. $700 yeah. million. Dollars. Yeah, like I, I remember that. You bring up Alex Rodriguez. I remember that $250 million deal when he was with the Rangers. He left the Mariners. There's been other ones, too, like John Carlos Stanton. He went to the Yankees, I think, for $500 million. It, It's just wild, though, to think that an athlete is going to get $700 million. Like, you just go back to like the the – Kind of the the golden era of sports in the late '80s, early '90s, where like it was like what was Jordan making twenty five million? Michael Jordan thirty? Like I don't totally. even know. and that was more like shoe deals. Like it wasn't anything crazy. And that's a guy that has been a, like every, even my kids still know who Michael Jordan. Remember when is. Steve Young's 
USFL deal <laughs> yeah. broke broke sports for a little. It was like what the this Magic is Johnson twenty five years twenty five million. Like what Magic's like Jerry Buss's buddy getting a twenty five million dollar deal. Now we got seven hundred million dollar men. Wild times, but that's just the world we live in. Yes, yeah. that's. Do you think we ever get to a point in college football or college basketball where we're seeing twenty million dollar coaches? We got ten million dollar coaches now. Yes, I do think in college football because the playoff is going to be printing money like yeah. you wouldn't believe. I think it'll it'll fuel coaching salaries for sure. Bama should probably pay Saban that now, and it's worth every penny. That guy will bully his way into a playoff, as we learned last week, where, hey, we got undefeated Florida State. When How frightening was that? I know that we, this was not planned, but how frightening was it that a brand like Florida State is just saying, like, yeah, you don't belong here. You're going, oh, man, like, what does this mean for BYU? What does this mean for the Big 12 when brands like Florida State get told, yeah, you're nice job, 13-0, but you know what? The third-string quarterback, who's not going to play in the playoff, it's going to be the second-string quarterback, but you're still not good enough. We're going to go with Bama. I just thought that was a terrible precedent for the sport. Horrible precedent because college football, for the most part, I think has done a pretty good job throughout its history of – Having good matchups and and having the results matter. Mm-hmm. Playing good non-conference opponents, winning your conference, those were all things that held a lot of value for a long time. This was the first time where there was just a blatant middle finger to a team that had earned the right to be there by any metric because they weren't, quote-unquote, one of the four best teams today. It's just, I don't like a sport where it's going to be subjective on, on who's going to be competing for a national championship. Like, at the end of the day, results have to matter first on the field. And is it unfortunate that Jordan Travis is not available? No doubt about it. But that team continued to win. So that was a that was a dark day in college football because Alabama had some really ugly wins. And, and Oh, yeah. Going to Tampa and playing a South Florida team that BYU blew their doors off a couple of years ago, that didn't hurt them, that they stunk. Against, and I know that they're much better now than then, but you got to look at the totality of the work. And Alabama, to me, they are probably one of the four best teams, but they did not deserve to be there above Florida State. I just fear that it was a an indicator, even though we're going to the twelve team playoff. Hey, Big Twelve, you're gonna get your champion in, right? That's it, That's it though. Yep. You're not getting two. No, nope. <laughs> like it's gonna be the SEC Big Ten Invitational. We kind of thought that, but they kind of told us that's what it's going to be. And that's, you know, that's why I think we can appreciate nights like tonight, college basketball, where, look, college basketball's got its flaws. Oh, and yeah. the selection committee, I could poke a lot of holes at what they've done, especially to a program like BYU over the years. But you still get a chance. You get a chance. And everyone's got the same path. Go win, and maybe you could be St. Peter's. Maybe you could be Farley Dickinson, and you can go do something special. Yeah. And, like, for BYU – they're now on the in the best basketball league in America, and nights like tonight, not necessarily a must win. You don't have to beat Utah to get you know to achieve your goals, but you want to take down your rival who's going to be joining the league next year, and also you got a real chance to go undefeated in non-conference play. Let's go through this right now, real quick, before we get to a break. Three pointer BYU versus Utah edition as this game tips off tonight, five o'clock. Key stat that you're watching for tonight's game. Yeah, for me, uh, we had Mark Durant on earlier. You can hear that interview on our podcast feed. 
He talked about the three-point shooting, and rightfully so, but they're top five in a lot of other interesting categories. Number one in bench points, which is interesting. They are one of the best teams at defending the three. I think they're number one at defending the three. So you're making a lot of threes, and you're defending the three. However, this particular stat, to me, is going to be the difference in a win or loss tonight, and that is assist-to-turnover ratio. They are third in the country in assist-to-turnover ratio, which means... A lot of guys are getting involved, and they're taking care of the ball. That has to be a recipe tonight. Take care of the rock, move it around, distribute the ball equally. If they do that, I think they win the game. My stat is three, and it ties into a lot of different areas, but the three-pointer, BYU, one of only three teams in college basketball that's hit at least double digits in all their game, or averaging double-digit three-point makes per game this season. That's Creighton, North Florida, BYU. BYU's been outstanding shooting the three. They're knocking down 12.9 threes per game. They're number one in the nation in shooting the three. What about key players? Key player for me, Trevin Nell. Uh, It was really interesting hearing him talk after the Evansville game. Um, Kind of weird, too, where Mark Pope was like trying to back away from any like fighting references. (laughs) Oh, it's not a brawl. It's definitely not a brawl. Well, think about it. A tiki down in Vegas, he's throwing a punch. I know. And then up in the Huntsman Center four years ago, he had to get broken up from Jeff Jones. What was it? Jeff Jones, the support staffer at Utah. Pope and Jeff Jones, Rylan Jones' dad kind of got a little feisty after that overtime loss in the Huntsman Center. So Pope's just trying to squash it. Fair, fair. However, it is a rivalry, and I think a rivalry games, it is okay to throw some of these cliche terms in there. Is it going to be a battle? Yes. And Trevanel was like, hey, this game means a lot to this team. Trevanel to me, is the unsung hero of this group. His three-point shooting, I feel like, has taken a lot of pressure off a lot of other guys because it's not just Jackson Robinson. It's not just Dallin Hall. There's multiple guys who can shoot the three ball at a 40% clip. Trevanel, could this be the game for him where he becomes a BYU legend? Maybe he buries six or seven threes and leads the Cougars to a win. Trevanel's my guy. I like that pick a lot. My guy, Ali Khalifa. I'm curious to see how he performs against Utah. Brandon Carlson, he's a game-time decision. He was out against Southern Utah. I, I would think he's going to play, but he's we'll, we'll if see. If he doesn't play, let him all pack up and go home because <laughs> there's no way he's missing that. Kiba Keita, though, has been good off the bench for the Utes. He's a six-eight big man who's been really good in, in, as of late. But Ali Khalifa, he knocked down a three against Evansville. Like That, that shooting touch where he was great at Charlotte as a three-point shooter – Maybe that's kind of finding its own. Really curious to see if he can kind of extend Carlson out and have have uh, have them defending the three-point line with Khalifa, who's got that ability in him. My guy for Utah, do not let Hunter Erickson get you. He mm. was a part of the BOU program for a couple years. He's had some nice games for Utah. He's not by any means consistent at this point. I think there's double-digit flashes and you don't see him. But is this like a Super Bowl game for him? You cannot let him go off and put down 18 points and beat you off the bench. For for, for me, it's Kiba Keita. Like I said, uh, six foot eight, big, who's really finding his own sophomore. He was a Wasatch Academy guy. BYU recruited him a little bit when Chris Burgess was on the staff. Burgess goes to Utah. Keita maintains that relationship, and he ends up going to the U. And uh, he's just someone that's playing really confident. He had a career high 23 points against Southern Utah. That was a close win. For Utah, they, they they squeaked that one out, eighty eight to eighty six against the T Birds. I kind of feel like that was a case of they were overlooking Southern Utah to get ready for BYU. Uh, but Kata is one to watch for for me. Bold prediction, Mitch. What do you got? 
I say BYU scores uh, more than 10 threes again. I think they're going to continue the hot shooting ways. Like this team's identity is shooting the three. They're not going to shy away from jacking up threes inside the Huntsman Center. I know the rims and the the facility can sometimes be a house of horrors for BYU shooting-wise in that building, but I expect the three-point shooting to continue, and I think they'll have more than 10 threes once again. I think BYU wins by more than 12 points. Wow. I think this BYU team is insanely well-balanced. They can overcome one, two, or even three guys not having a career night. Other guys step up. We've seen that time and time again. So I like this BYU team to win by double figures more than 12 over Utah. I like that. Let's let's get that actual score prediction next. We'll give you our predictions for tonight's game as BYU and Utah were a little over two hours away till tip. You'll hear the action right here on KSL. We're getting ready for the rivalry matchup, and you're putting me to sleep with this. Holy cow. Silent Night should only be played twice a year, Christmas Eve and on Christmas Day. BYU's about to go into battle. They face the Utes in the Huntsman Center, and you got Silent. Steve Pope's in that locker room saying, hey, we're going to go silent. If you want to throw in that Justin Bieber Christmas, though, I'm I'm interested in that. Dave said they're going up to the Huntsman Center. To silence the Ute fans. Oh. That was his angle. Okay. Okay. Well, we're playing checkers. You're playing chess. <laughs> okay, I see you. Score predictions, Matt. BYU, Utah. Cougs 8-0. Utes come into this one as an underdog. BYU is about a three-and-a-half-point favorite. BYU get it done? Yeah, BYU is going to get it done. I think they're going to win by more than 12, hence the uh, bold prediction of more than 12. Let's just look at some previous scores quickly. They won earlier in the week, 96-55. to Before that, they beat Fresno State right across the street at the Delta Center, 85-56. to They beat NC State neutral site, 95-86. to They have scored. They've never scored in the 60s. They've only been in the 70s twice. Every other time than that, it's been more than 85 points as a reference point. Now, this is their first true road game, so we got to factor that in. I'm going to say BYU wins this one 84-71, to 71, BYU. I like that. I, I will say BYU has to reach at least 80 points to win this game. I don't like uh, – like I know BYU is great defensively. The stats love BYU, and Cahill Fennell is the D coordinator. He's done outstanding. I, I think BYU can win a you know defensive battle. But I feel like if you're going to go on the road and tap into – was it Bing Crosby? I don't know. Who is that? <laughs> Silent Night, Bing Crosby, and Silence the Utes. you got to put up some points on the offensive end, and I expect BYU will. I'm going to say the Cougs, 86, Utah, 80, 80. I'll go with that, 86 to 80. I don't think it's that close. We watched this game last year. There's not a lot different from last year. It's the Huntsman Center, Matt. I get, I'm with Mark Duran. I get anxious in that building. I love that building. I am I every time I get in there I just feel like this is an historical I, gem. I kind of compare it to the UCLA NCAA tournament game a few years back. 
Everything. No, that is ridiculous. Look, stop I'm, right there. I don't want to hear another <laughs> word. Hey, L- listen to me, Cougar Nation. I'm the guy who's been at all the recent games. Mitch over here has been down in Shreveport. He's been in uh, Boise. BYU, Where else have you been during these games? Look, you have not been around. I was at wait. this game last year. Not been around the BYU-Utah games. Okay, basketball. I've been around bat- BYU basketball. Anyway, uh you weren't at these games, all right? Last year's rebounding margin, equal, 32 apiece. And BYU shot the ball poorly. And the year before, I keep getting told every year, the size. Can they, can, yeah, they can. They've been doing it for three years in a row. It's, it's a, not an issue. It's a non-starter. I don't want to hear what you have to say about this. BYU is going is, to win the game. I, I agree. They're going to win. But I feel like it's a game where everyone is saying they're going to win and – the underdog just steps, rises up, and they get Not it done. Group. That's what happened with UCLA and the NCAA tournament. There's certain settings with BYU basketball, the Huntsman Center and the NCAA tournament that are always just these there's only pestering thorns. No, it's in no, the side of not, BYU. That's not factually true. BYU has had tremendous success in the past ten years yes, at the Huntsman they Center. They won six of the last ten, but it should have been like eight. Yeah, that's fair, but. <laughs> It's not like they're going to a place where they haven't won in 30 years. They they actually win just, there all the time recently. I think it's going to be a little close, but I think BYU, BYU gets I don't it think done. it's going to be close. The only way this game is even remotely close is if Brendan Carlson goes for 30 and 15. And guess what? That's not going to happen because he's not going to be able to run the floor with this BYU offense for 40 minutes. Real quick, before we get, to a, before we get out, if the game is close, who's the guy getting the last shot for BYU? Now that is tough. To me, it's Dallin Hall. Okay, I I like that choice. I want him to initiate the offense. If it ends up in the hands of Jackson Robinson, Trevanell, or even Spencer Johnson, I'm feeling okay with it. But that is a good. We have not seen yet what this, how this team would operate in a tight situation because there have not been any tight situations. All right, looking forward to this game. Two hours from now, you'll hear it right here on the home of BYU. KSL News Radio. So for Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte, our board op, Dave Meekum, thanks to all of you, and especially the listeners. We love you guys, and we'll see you next week.